Welcome back to Mainly Movies, the podcast where we mainly talk about movies. I'm DJ, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Aaron. How's it going, man? Pretty good, dude. It has not been as long since we've talked, only a couple days. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it's the best time of the quarter. It's our top ten breakdown, which uh, is kind of our bread and butter. Yeah, we like to kind of section off the year as we can and kind of see where we are so far in the year, and... I don't know, man. Uh, This quarter has kind of been a mixed bag, kind of like every quarter, but I think I just expect more from the summer. I don't know. Yeah, I was looking at it. I The first half of the year, really, you're only going to have a couple hits. Yeah, so I can't be really too upset about anyone for that. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a mixed bag. I think that's the nicest way to put it. So... Um, we did kind of shorten this quarter because we included Shazam in the last quarter, just so we had enough movies, because we knew there would be plenty of movies in this quarter, and there definitely were, there just weren't a lot of great movies. Yeah, we were really scraping the barrel the first part of the year. Uh, so this is, so yeah, that was like a Q1 plus, so this is kind of a truncated Q2. In fact, we're recording this before the second quarter even ends. Uh, we're recording this before yesterday comes out, which looks like it could be pretty interesting. So we might have to circle back to that at some point. Yeah, I think it has a chance to have been on my list somewhere, just looking at it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm not sure. Um, and that's, that's the other thing is we do these lists, and then I'll go see some of the movies that I didn't see during the quarter, and I'm like, man, that should have been on my list. But that's why we do the end of the year list. We can... We can move things around. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, yeah, so here are the definitive, definitely top ten movies of this quarter, and they will never change. Oh, don't don't say it like that. <laughs> that makes me nervous. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll start with my number ten, because it's, I think, not surprising at all. I only saw ten movies, so every movie I've seen has to be on the list. You saw a couple more, so you at least get to leave some of the duds off. Uh, my number 10 is Dark Phoenix. Yeah, this is one of the ones that didn't make it on my list. <laughs> I thought it might not, um, based on the glowing review that we gave it a couple episodes back. Dark Phoenix was not a good movie. It made me sad. I don't want to talk too much more about it. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Um, I guess I saw 15 movies this quarter. A couple of those are Netflix movies. Um... And I still ranked all of them, even the ones that didn't make it on the list. And I put Dark Phoenix at 14 out of 15, so... Yeah, it's not great. Man, I can't wait to hear what your number 15 was. I'm I'm pretty excited to tell you about it, honestly. (laughs) Okay, okay, we gotta do the top 10s first, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so what's your number 10? Uh, My number 10 is a Netflix movie entitled, and this is a lot... Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Okay, I I kind of, out of the Netflix movies we got this quarter, this was the one that I kind of wanted to see, but I did not. Yeah, so for those who are unaware, this is a biography, sort of true crime 
It's not a documentary. Uh, Netflix has done a different documentary about Ted Bundy, but this is more of like a stylized movie starring Zac Efron, Lily Collins. It's about the serial killer, Ted Bundy. He's like one of the most iconic and notorious serial killers. So it was a kind of a look. It was supposed to be a perspective from Lily Collins's character. Uh, it's based off of a book that uh, that person actually wrote, the real uh, person uh, whose name I don't remember, actually wrote about Ted Bundy. And he's an interesting character just because he, and if you don't know about uh, Ted Bundy, I really don't feel like going into specifics because... Please don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he did some like unspeakable things to a countless amount of women. And... He almost was able to get away with it just because he was a charismatic personality. Like, whenever he was on trial, there would be people, uh, especially a lot of fans who were women who were coming forward and say, oh, well, Ted couldn't have done this. I mean, just look at him. And it's just interesting. Um, man, I'm having to choose my words carefully here because he was a monster. Um, but it's interesting seeing how people were able to perceive him and the crimes that he committed, uh, just because he was a good looking dude. So, yeah. Do you have any, uh, like knowledge about Ted Bundy or anything like that? Only from the buzz that's been generated from this Netflix thing, which I guess speaks to how successful it was. I think if this had been released in... Well, to be fair, there are two Netflix Ted Bundy yes. things, so I think they kind of played on each other. Yeah, they did, and that was like smart move by Netflix, but I think this is definitely a case of if this had not been on Netflix and had been like a small release in theaters, there would have been absolutely no buzz, no one would have talked about it, and it would have just kind of come and gone. Um, yeah. I just feel like Netflix kind of has the power to create a moment around something that uh, might not receive its moment if it's just a, a failing theater. Yeah, you might be right. And I, I do think that's powerful um, from Netflix's perspective. Uh, but to be honest, I, I think my main issue is that I just, I'm not a big fan of the true crime yeah. genre. Yeah. And I know that's probably blasphemy to say as a podcast host, <laughs> since that's like a huge That's not what we do. Work. This isn't mainly crimes, DJ. It's true, and... <laughs> I don't know. I could just never get into that genre because I always felt like it was always taken from the perspective of being like, oh, how could a person do these horrific things? But we can never fully know because anyone who does any of these horrific things that they talk about in these true crime episodes, we can't get in their head because they've kind of like lost their humanity in a way. And it all feels kind of pointless to me in the end. And that's kind of how this movie feels. I mean... I think that uh, Zac Efron was a great choice for this. And I think that there are a couple scenes in here that are almost chilling because especially the courtroom scenes when he's hamming it up. But I think the movie does a poor job at establishing like the fact that this is a horrible, horrible person. They kind of glide over the fact that, you know, Ted Bundy killed people. And it's not like I want to see him like go out and like murder someone. But they don't really even show, like, the progression of how he was able to, like, go into a bar and kind of just flirt with these girls. They don't really hammer home that 
Ted Bundy really had this duality of being such a horrible person, but also being very charming. It seems like they focused on the charming, which Zac Efron is good at, but I wanted to see him, I guess, flex. I don't know. I wanted to be more nuanced and dynamic in some ways, and I just, I don't think it was. Yeah, I wonder if that, I don't know if they took the easy way out or if it was an intentional thing, like showing you how hard it is to imagine just like a generally good looking guy doing bad things when you have an actual, like that's what the people in the courtroom would have thought, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they wouldn't have and, like seen those things. They would have just heard them read and you'd be like, oh, this guy, not this guy. Yeah, and I think that could have worked if, and I think they sort of do this at the very end. Uh, like, I guess I'm not really spoiling anything, but at the very end of the movie, we get like a a sort of small little montage of him like clubbing a girl and then like stuffing her in a car. Oh. And I think that it was supposed to I think that was supposed to hit harder after all the trial things. And I think if it did, I think if those moments of seeing that duality would have hit harder, I think this could have been excellent. And it just didn't work for me. Yeah. How long is this? Do you know what the runtime is? It is one hour and 50 minutes. 50 or 15? One hour and 50. Oh, I'm out. (laughs) That's too much for me. (laughs) If you're not, I mean, hmm, if you're not into the true crime uh, sort of genre I don't really know if this is going to do it for you because it drags in some places and because the book that this is based off was written from Zac Efron or from Ted Bundy's girlfriend's perspective we spend a decent amount of time with Lily Collins and it's kind of just slow and there's a reveal later and the reveal is that uh when all of this stuff started to come out, when people were just like, someone's murdering everyone, and this is kind of what we think he looks like. Uh, she saw that like on a news broadcast, and she called in and said, hey, my boyfriend kind of fits that description. Uh, his name's Ted Bundy, but I don't think he could be the one doing this or anything. And she kind of inadvertently puts his name on a list, and from that list, the police were able to kind of like nail down it was him. So she's dealing with all this guilt about putting his name on the list and not really knowing if it was him because she's always, he's always been great to her and everything, but it just feels like a, like a drag most of the time. I I don't think it's as emotionally effective as the movie wants it to be. Well, you do have it at number 10. So I think, I think that says something. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, move on to number nine. You want to do your number nine? Sure. Uh, my number nine is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Hey, me too. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think our opinion's pretty similar on this one. I think the uh, Godzilla fighting scenes are fine. Like, they, they did their job there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot of this movie is one of the most ridiculous I've ever seen makes absolutely no sense uh is pretty laughable actually i guess if you want to go that direction with it and just laugh at it maybe you can have a good time um yeah past that i'm pretty much out on this one yeah i don't want to start ranting because we already spent a whole episode yeah i this movie is frustrating because as soon as you say you don't like it someone's gonna be like oh well did they'll say oh did you like this scene blah 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 happened and 
my response would be yes, of course, that was awesome. But everything in between was bad. Even some of the fighting, you like though the two monsters were about will be about to like crash into each other, and then it'll like cut away to the humans again, and it's frustrating. And I'm not for it. And the one in 2014 was much better. That was my conclusion, having actually watched that one before watching the other one. I only like sort of like the 2014 one. It's better, but I I still don't love that movie or anything either. Yeah, I think I think that one will stick with me longer. Um, yeah, but I do know there are people that are just really into this new one. So, um, and I'm fine with that. If if you really enjoyed it, that's great. I just uh, I okay theme that's kind of prevalent in my list is I'm I'm starting to hit sequel fatigue. I think. I think it's oh, been yeah. growing for a long time, and I feel like it's officially here, where I'm just tired of reboots and sequels, and I say that, and like the top three movies on my list are like sequels or reboots, but yeah, man, it's getting to so, me. Yeah, I feel that too. I feel like the summer is really draining me in some ways that I haven't felt in a while, honestly, and it's kind of sad because... I don't know. I don't think we're asking for Citizen Kane every weekend, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm I, feeling that fatigue too. And even putting this list together, I struggled a bit just because I felt this deep desire to recognize movies that weren't a sequel or a reboot or something, because that's the vast majority of what we have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's where we find ourselves with number nine. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll move up to my number eight next. I've got Pokemon yeah. Detective Pikachu at number eight. I've got that number seven. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. I think I, I think it was about where my expectation of the movie was at. Maybe a little better even. Um, I did not think this movie was going to deliver a whole lot. It was fine as a kid's movie. I felt too old for it. Uh, I enjoyed looking for the Pokemon on screen. Uh, The plot got a little silly at the end. Uh, Yeah, I think it was fine. Yeah, I think my expectations were maybe a little too high. Um, It it was fine. (laughs) Like, it has some charming moments, but... It's also pretty... It's pretty stupid. It is... Yeah, it's... More stupid than it should be. It should be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can have like a serious Pokemon movie. No, no, no. You can be silly, but this is borderline stupid at times. Okay. <laughs> True. Subtle True. difference, but I think it's there. Yeah, and I don't think we're in trouble of like a lot of people going to see Pokemon Detective Pikachu that don't already know exactly what they're in for. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, that's my number eight. Uh, Your number seven. What did you have at number eight? Uh, My number eight is Shaft. Okay, a movie I did not see. Yeah, so, um, for people who don't know, I guess Shaft is a series that dates back to, like, the 70s. It was pretty notable. It's part of a kind of subgenre that is entitled, like, Blaxploitation. And it's kind of problematic in some ways because 
some people kind of took films like this to paint black people in a negative light and to reinforce negative stereotypes. But on the other hand, some people look toward Shaft to say, hey, there's finally a black guy on screen who isn't a villain or anything. So it was kind of like a take what you can get. So this is a franchise that dates all the way back to those areas. Uh, so this later Shaft is... It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I this is my first Shaft movie. It's a character I've known about forever just because it's one of the like notable black leading movies and things, or at least it was. So that being said, this film feels dated in some ways in some of the dialogue. But at the same time, if you know kind of the general vibe you're going to be getting, kind of a movie that feels kind of out of its time, it, it's still pretty funny, honestly. It has some lines that are problematic, but at the end of the day, Samuel L. Jackson shines. Um, he is playing the father to uh, J.J., played by Jesse Usher, who's kind of a pretty nerdy uh, millennial kid, so... You get to have just Samuel L. Jackson just riffing off that the entire time. And it, it's all great. If your expectations are right, then this will be perfectly fine for you. It's not great. It does have problems. But I like Samuel L. Jackson, and I think he carries the movie fine. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely does not have the cultural significance, I think, that uh, it once did. Oh, no. And that's apparent by the box office because nobody saw this <laughs> yes actually nobody saw it it yeah. is not making any money i was maybe a little intrigued when i saw that it was like announced and i saw the trailer and i was like okay i think i think you can tell what kind of movie it's going to be from the trailer and if that mm -hmm. interests you you should go see it yeah I, I like I wouldn't be able to encourage anyone to see this i guess <laughs> yeah is jesse but... usher in anything else I didn't recognize him. Um, I think he does a decent job. I think that the writing leans a little bit too hard into the ha-ha, these silly millennials and things. But also, you kind of have to expect that because this movie is kind of meant for an older generation to be able to indulge in the laughs like that. Mm -hmm. So in the very beginning of the, well, not the very beginning, but part of the movie, uh, Jesse Usher kind of just has to carry by himself and that's by far the weakest part because when samuel o jackson gets in it's kind of refreshing honestly because i feel like i've been seeing him in a lot of pg-13 things so it's kind of nice to see him kind of just <laughs> unleashed honestly uh so yeah yeah okay so that's your number eight and your number seven was pokemon detective pikachu yeah so what's your number seven my number seven is toy story four my number six Okay, okay, we're pretty well in line here, and man, this seems really low. Uh, yeah. But I'm pretty confident putting Toy Story 4 this low. It feels like the more I've thought about it, the more this movie upsets me. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's really, it's not about the actual film, is my, no. my thing. It's and still a good movie, I will contend. Yes, and I think... I don't know, This it kind of threw off my whole, like, how I actually rank things, because I want to be, like, objective about it. Um, but ultimately, this is my list, and it has to be how I felt watching the movie, and what I got out of it, and I just did not want a sequel. 
I, yeah. I, I did not want this movie. And that's how I felt at the end of it is I did not, I didn't want this movie to be made. I wanted them to stop at three. Yeah. It's a fine movie. I just, I don't think it's necessary. And yeah. I am very tired of just sequels just so we can get some more money or just keep it going. Uh, I It just, it's so fatigued. Yeah, I feel like Toy Story 4 in some ways affected the rest of my list uh, in some interesting ways, and we'll get there. And yeah, it just feels so tired at this point. And I feel like maybe one of the reasons I have it so low as well is because despite it being objectively good, I keep seeing people saying that this is a more satisfying ending than Toy Story 3, and it just infuriates me because I have Why not seen it, one like decent, well-thought-out reason for that. And I just, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we just talked about Toy Story 3 on our last episode, so I really don't want to talk about it too much more, but um, not a movie I needed in my life. Okay, well, if we're moving on, what is your number six? Because Toy Story 4 was my number six. My number six is Longshot. Oh, so you did see this. I did see it. This is my tenth movie that I just finished about 30 minutes ago. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Tell me about it. Yeah, it, it was just, it was nice to have just a comedy. Just like a straight, just this is an R-rated comedy. And... I don't know. I think Seth Rogen definitely has a brand. So, I mean, Longshot's the movie where Seth Rogen dates Charlize Theron, who's way out of his league and is also running for president. And it's like a simple enough premise. And I was a little concerned because I think Seth Rogen movies are usually a little too, like, raunchy and just, like, obnoxious. He's got his Seth Rogen style. I think this one was a little bit toned back and a little like more well thought out um yeah like i i think the writing in this movie was really good there were just some good jokes uh i liked the supporting cast in it with o'shea jackson and june diane rayfield as kind of like the the friends of the main characters uh and you got bob odenkirk as the president like yeah i i I just appreciated this movie as just a comedy that I could just sit and relax and enjoy. Um, looking on the IMDb, this movie looks long for a comedy. Did it feel long? Not, not really, honestly. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it. I thought it had a pretty good pace to it, and yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think, uh. Like, obviously, the actors were having a lot of fun doing it, which I think contributed to it. Okay. Um, I think Charlize Theron kind of playing this, like, uh, all pinned up, like, oh, isn't she just this, like, beautiful politician lady? But she's actually, like, got her own, like, once and uh, doesn't really want to follow uh, the status quo. I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was, it was not, you could, you could see where it was going the whole time. And I thought it was an enjoyable ride. So yeah. And I also kind of wanted to just like award a movie that's, it's, it's a familiar idea, but it's original content. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's about as good as we can do here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 
I feel like I got worried about this movie because it was placed the weekend after Avengers, and it naturally got buried. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't know why that happened. <laughs> yeah, and like reviews for it were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think not a lot of people saw it. Uh, I don't know, and <laughs> I mean I didn't see it in theaters. I don't I don't know if it's just that there's this standard now of like you only see a certain type of movie in theaters because. I don't know if having just a straight comedy on a big screen is really contributing a whole lot to people when they can just be like, ah, I'll just wait for it to come on Netflix in four months. Mm-hmm. I think that's honestly a big problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad this movie was made. So, Cool. Good stuff. That was your number six? Yep. Okay. Um, let's move on to you. Yeah, we'll stick with you. What's your number five? My number five is Booksmart. Hey, we're matching up again, so is There we go. There we go. Yeah, so similar to Longshot, I kind of wanted to give this movie some credit just for being like an original idea. Yeah, let's set the stage for this one a little bit, because I don't feel like... Well, that's the problem with this one, right? Is that... yeah people didn't see it and there are like outcries that oh more people need to see this women need to see this we need to get big box office numbers so more movies like this can get made now see this is where i kind of have an issue but you go ahead because i'm kind of curious what your thoughts are yes okay i have i have issues with it as well but let's just preface it with this is a movie that was written and directed by olivia wilde it's like a high school kind of party movie Mm-hmm. It's been compared a lot to like the female super bad, basically. Yeah, I um, did. I did see that a lot. Yeah, and it's basically two girls that have kind of been like uh, top of their high school as far as like academics and class president, and have been doing all the right things, following all the rules, and realize at the end of their high school journey that they never like had fun, quote unquote. Or, like, let loose, so they go to, like, a high school party, and they have, like, a crazy night, and they discover things about themselves. That was a really good, succinct summary. (laughs) Yeah, and it's simple enough. Um, I do have some issues with it, uh, with the movie, as well as, I think, kind of the uh, outcry for, like, oh, women need to see this. I thought that was just a little... I don't know. It's... Something rubs you the wrong way when, like, the director is demanding people to go see their movie to make more money, even if it is like, oh, we need this so that we can make more movies like it, or like a noble cause like that. Yeah, and I understand that frustration. I understand, well, I think I can understand, I have not made a movie, but I feel like I can understand the want for your movie in the middle of summer when it's all this big budget CGI reboot and sequel things for someone to pay attention to your movie. That is an original story with a cast of people that you probably haven't seen before. You want to give more attention to a smaller thing like that. I get it, but I feel like some of that kind of tainted my experience because I kept seeing things like this is the best movie I've seen all year. If you haven't seen this movie, then you hate women and you hate 
movies that aren't just superhero movies. And I liked Booksmart. I just... I don't think that it got to those heights for me. I, I really don't. And I think it has a lot of interesting things going for it. I think Olivia Wilde, if this is her directorial debut, which I'm pretty sure it is, I think she did a fantastic job. I think that the two main stars, whose names I don't know, uh, Caitlin Denver and Beanie Feldstein, I thought they were fantastic, honestly. I'd like to mm-hmm. see what they do later on in their careers. Um, but I just, I, I, I found it pretty funny. You know, like I, I didn't find it like I wasn't laughing the whole time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. OK, so so here are my pretty silly complaints about the movie and just why I don't have it higher, I guess, is I don't feel like I related to the movie very much. Not not because it's like two female leads, but because the whole the whole premise of the movie is based around uh, one. There's kind of the scene where the girls find out that, like, they've tried super hard all through college, and so they're going to like Harvard and doing these great things. But also, everyone else at the school that hasn't been trying hard is also going to great schools. Kind of like supposing that, oh, it doesn't matter how much you followed the rules or how hard you worked in high school everyone ends up in the same place which in my experience was not true at all <laughs> like that's that's just a lie yeah like the people that partied in high school and didn't try for the most part did not go to like prestigious schools yeah so i thought that was a, i mean I, maybe that's like an exaggeration for the movie or maybe it's just like Olivia Wilde's experience or something, but I thought that was a little silly because that's kind of the driving motivation for why they want to have this like letting go night anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part is just like the assumption that every high school kid secretly wants to just go to crazy parties and that's like all they've ever wanted to do. It's like I didn't really go to crazy parties, I was definitely in the nerd community and I have absolutely no regrets about that. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, Amy character, it's not like that was her motivation. Yeah. And at one point, she just is just like, okay, we went to one party. We're good now. So Yeah, that's probably how I would be. <laughs> and that's fair. Um, yeah, uh, there's that. And then there's also kind of these different like stereotypes of the different high school kids. And I don't know if I'm just far enough removed from high school now, but some of these stereotypes, I was like, I'm not sure who this person is. I think I was okay with those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were entertaining in the movie, but it wasn't, like, it didn't, like, hit home for me personally. So, yeah, I think I just left wanting to like it more. I mean, it's got a lot going for it, and I do think that it's pretty funny. I think it's actually pretty awesome, and one uh, someone wrote in to mention that, or wrote into the show to mention this, but this is a, a big, not big budget, but a widescreen movie that features... A lesbian character and there wasn't like a big hoopla about it so i mean that's really cool that that's something that didn't have to be like a headline or anything like that we're kind of starting to see people not act a dang fool about things like that mm-hmm. um and i do want more movies like this because it's great that this was in the middle of summer that it was bunched up next to a bunch of sequels and reboots i just maybe it was some of the 
what Brady Heron of the Hello Internet podcast would call cheer pressure. Maybe some of that got to me. Yeah. Because it felt like the film community was being like, this is like the perfect movie. You have to be loving this and everything. I feel like maybe that soured my taste of it a little bit, but it's still really good. And yeah, I also, I want to shout out like the acting was really good from a bunch mm-hmm. of people that we've really never heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the shots were really cool. Uh, when they're going around the like party house or like when, uh, what's her name is underwater. Yeah. Yeah. In the pool. Like there's some really like cool, creative shots in there. And I thought the soundtrack was great too. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was cool. Um, I recognized some of the songs from FIFA and I got really excited. Oh, nice. Um, so like it had good things going for it and it had things that I didn't like as much. And I think everyone was coming out saying this has to be your favorite movie of the year. And I think a lot of people are not even aware of it and don't hear the people screaming for it. So I guess Which is a shame. I, I do yeah. think that it's funny and that a lot of people will enjoy it. And I think this would be a little bit higher on my list, honestly, if I didn't have pre-existing people being like, this is going to be the funniest movie you've seen all year. Which yeah. kind of sucks about smaller movies because you don't hear about them until all the hype has gotten to you. But it's still good. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's uh, both of our number fives. Yep. Okay, so I think we're going to have the same top four, unless I'm pretty mistaken here. Uh, uh, probably yeah. in a di- Maybe in a different order. We'll see. Okay, so my number four, I have Rocket Man. Ah, I have Rocket Man as number three. Okay. Um, cool, let's go ahead and do Rocket Man. This was a fun movie, and I think it was maybe the most interesting or like intriguing movie Mm -hmm. uh because i i do think so we compared it a lot to bohemian rhapsody this is the elton john movie and i think i think some of that discussion is thought-provoking like doing all the compare and contrast stuff even though i think it's a little annoying uh yeah but then on top of that i just think it had an interesting message and an interesting picture of the life of a person uh even though it's a person that like I don't I don't have a huge attachment to um but it presented his story in a interesting way and there were some really cool scenes there were some weird scenes uh, there was some good acting some crazy costumes some bumping songs yeah it was just it was a movie and yeah I I liked it yeah um and this we compared it a lot to Bohemian Rhapsody, like you said, but the thing that gives this movie an edge is that it leans into how fantastical it wants to be. And mm-hmm. I think that complements who Elton John is as a person so perfectly. And honestly, I, this is the movie that has been ping-ponging around the absolute most for me. And I think it ended up a little bit higher than I first would have put it when I immediately walked out of the theater. And that's because at this point, I really just feel this need to recognize movies that are not sequels <laughs> or, or reboots or something. <laughs> yeah. It feels ridiculous, but I think the that coupled with the fact I really enjoyed the movie, and I have been like bumping this soundtrack for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I just can't get over how 
there there's a, a few special moments in this movie and i think one of my absolute favorites and i think they allude to it in the trailer is during crocodile rock mm-hmm. and it's when elton john starts playing and you get to the la 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 part and everyone starts floating all of a sudden and it's just this fantastical look into how a crowd of people can feel when we're all vibing to the same rhythm and beat and i keep going back to those moments in the movie uh that when he performs rocket man and how he is expressing how he really feels otherworldly right now how he has no connections to the here and now man i i love so many moments about that and i i I don't know i it's hard for me to finalize where i want this movie and i feel like by the end of the year, it's either going to have risen or fallen, but it won't stay the same because Rocket Man is dynamic, and I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, I think I think it made an interesting statement, and I also feel like this is maybe the only movie we've had so far this year that I could see being like an award-worthy movie, mm-hmm. um, other than maybe like some of the like best costume or best song or something that could go to like Aladdin or something. But yeah. Um, yeah, like I think the performances were great. I think some of the I don't know if it's cinematography, but some of just like the set design and some of the big musical scenes that are just really enjoyable, like Saturday Night and uh Rocket Man was really cool. Yeah, I just think there's some some really cool movie moments in this movie. Mhm. I'm I'm honestly excited to go back and rewatch it again because I don't know, like I keep when I left the theater, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. But when I think about it, I just, I, I can't help but go to those moments that I love so much. And I think the soundtrack is really what keeps bringing me back in. Yeah. And I think I'm pretty, like, definitively in the boat of this is better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I just don't think at the time when we reviewed the movie, I don't think we wanted to be in the echo chamber of literally everyone being like, oh, this is so much better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. But now that a little space is cleared, I think I think that's fine. Cool. Okay, so that was that was my number four and your number three. What did you have at number four? What I had at number four is Aladdin. Okay, that's my number three. Yeah, I swapped these back and forth because I honestly think that when I left Aladdin, I had a smile on my face and I had a fantastic time. And I think even right now, I still like Aladdin a little bit more. But honestly, I think Toy Story 4 just made me bump it down a little bit. Because I'm I'm here complaining about sequels and reboots and it felt weird for me to have Aladdin in the top three. Especially when I keep going back to the Rocket Man soundtrack and not Aladdin. But uh, Yeah, I, I think what I loved about Aladdin was like all the original stuff, though. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I'm not going to be one of these people complaining that the movie has made it all. It's just, I, I don't know. I saw them next to each other and it was bothering me. I could feel, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think the big, so so Aladdin, I really enjoyed, like, had some great musical moments. Uh, mm-hmm. Will Smith was great as Jamie. Uh, yeah, all the, all the actors did great. It was just a really fun movie. Um, I think the difference to me is like you said i left aladdin with a smile on my face and it was a good time rocket man is a sad movie yes it is (laughs) and it's kind of a sad picture of a man and even even at the end with like him still standing it's kind of just hard to see what he went through and kind of this desperate search he's on to like find who he is and Mm -hmm. 
Aladdin, you can just kind of sit back and enjoy because there's no real stakes in this. We all know the story and how it ends. And True. Um, yeah, but it's just a fun time. And, I mean, I think my favorite part in Aladdin is the entrance into the city, doing the Prince Ali, like, parade through the streets with Will Smith at the front of it. I thought that was great. It's perfect. It's like mm-hmm. peak Will Smith. Uh, Mina Masood, who I'd never seen in anything before, he is embodying this animated character so well. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, Aladdin is fantastic, and I feel like box office wise it shows because why it didn't open huge, it's been having fantastic holds. And that's what happens when you make a good movie and it has good word of mouth. Otherwise, it's gonna plunge like seventy percent, like uh, Godzilla did. But this movie is so catchy. Will Smith is a star, and he. It's good to see him in something good again. <laughs> yeah, and there was worried that this movie wasn't going to be good from the whole Will Smith Blue Genie thing, mm-hmm. and I don't think that affected it at all. I think it's been doing great. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so both both musicals at three and four. Um, okay, well that leaves us with two, and I think we have the same two at the top of our list in the same order. You dang right, we do. <laughs> so. Yeah, so uh, number two, I have got the Tolkien movie. What? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you know it's John Wick 3 Parabellum at oh, number yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just love John Wick. And this is the one that really feels like it breaks the uh, I don't want sequels train. I will make yeah. an exception for John Wick because I am all on board with like it yeah it has not gotten old so it did start to get a little much for me at the end of the movie as i noted and this honestly might be my third favorite john wick movie but i just love the series so much and it was such a great time and i am not complaining if there's a fourth one which there will be yeah yeah i every time i wanted to slide john wick 3 down my list a little bit i would immediately think to that antique store fight and how yep. it is just the coolest thing I think I have ever seen. Yep. It's just so violent, so fast. It's like at the beginning when all the fights are happening, they're showing you what type of violence it's going to be the entire movie. Oh, man, it's awesome. Yep. And then those those freaking German shepherds that are just ridiculous, just jumping over buildings and going straight for people's nuts. <laughs> it's effective. It is. It is. Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed John Wick 3. Uh, it's not for everyone. It is apparently for a lot of people, though, because it's making some great money at the box office. Uh, I think John Wick has definitely broken into like pop culture and the general public awareness. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, if not him, at least Keanu Reeves. Dude, it is the summer of Keanu Reeves. We might not even need to have the end of the year MVP award if no one makes another push because. Hey, he's... I think we've got some other contenders. Not okay. as strong. Okay, I mean... save, save your thoughts. But okay. I'm, I'm just saying, right now, pencil me in for Keanu Reeves. I think that is a smart choice. I'm just saying that I think that there are some other contenders who aren't. They're not doing as much, but you know, they can be in the equation. Okay. Are you thinking of like Justice Smith? No. <laughs> Hashtag Team Franklin. Oh boy, okay. 
Um, cool. Well, we've done 10 through 2, and we all know what our number 1 is going to be. Yeah, so should we review our 10 through 2 before we get to number 1? Because we're going to spend a little bit of time there. Yeah, let's let's do a quick recap, I think. Okay, cool. I'll do mine. Okay, so number 10, I have Dark Phoenix. Number 9, I have Godzilla King of the Monsters. Number 8, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Number 7, Toy Story 4. Number 6, Longshot. Number 5, Booksmart. Number 4, Rocketman. Number 3, Aladdin. Number 2, John Wick 3, Parabellum. And number one, uh, we'll all let you do yours first. Okay, yeah, we'll get there. Number ten, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Number nine, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Number eight, Shaft. Number seven, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Number six, Toy Story 4. Number five, Booksmart. Number four, Aladdin. Number three, Rocketman. Number two, John Wick Chapter 3, Pelabelle. And are we going to reveal our number one? Uh... Before we get to number one, let's go over the movies that you saw that you did not have listed, and I've got a couple that I wanted to see and did not get to. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just to build the suspense for number one a little bit. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the true duds that didn't make the list. Uh, another Netflix movie I saw is called Wine Country. Okay, yeah, I heard that wasn't very good. That's the... Yeah. Uh, it's got uh, Amy Poehler in it. I know, I kept wanting to say Leslie Nope, and I couldn't think of her name, and I felt really bad. I think Leslie Nope is fine <laughs> in place of Amy Poehler. I think she's reached that. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's kind of her and all her friends, right? Like, yeah, kind of that group. Yeah, it's her, Rachel Dratch, Maya Rudolph, uh, Tina Fey is in it. Um, yeah, this movie is not for me. This movie <laughs> And what I mean by that is this movie was not made or targeted for my demographic yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I could have told you that. Well, I think that's fine, though. And yeah. the thing is, this movie is actually kind of funny at times. Like, it gets some laughs out of me. Kind of um, funny. I mean, it... I, well, yeah, that's true. It's just the comedy wasn't made for my 25-year african-american male self it yep. was just not so fair enough but that being said still kind of funny um yeah that's it <laughs> uh so that's wine country another netflix movie i saw was called someone great uh this continued yeah, you, you talked about that one i think on a previous episode yeah, it was another rom-com that, for whatever reason, seemed to be getting buzz on Twitter. Uh, it's got Gina Rodriguez, Lakeith Stanfield, Brittany Snow, DeWanda Wise. Uh, I don't understand what the hype for this movie was. It was fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> uh, another movie I saw, this one I saw in theaters, I saw The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Yeah, this wasn't good at all, was it? Um, no. <laughs> so, the thing is, I feel like this movie was partially inspired by... It seemed like in uh, Ocean's 13 that came out last year that Anne Hathaway was the only character in the whole movie having any fun. And it seemed like she really wanted to do more of that. And it seems like she's having fun, but I don't know... It, it's not translating to screen as well as her delight in oceans 
13. Or no, I keep saying Ocean's 13, Ocean's 8. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I just didn't have a lot of fun. Okay, uh, you got more? Uh, last one, probably one of the least favorite movies I've seen this year. Uh, I saw Brightburn. Okay, worse than Beach Bum, DJ? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised that Brightburn was this bad. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Brightburn is a movie that kind of poses the question, what if Superman wasn't necessarily good? And some of you from the get-go are going to be like, oh, well, that's stupid. Which is fair. I think that the character of Superman can be pretty interesting just because he is so powerful that it becomes more of a moral and kind of a mental question of why does he have to be good? What kind of guides his sort of morality system just because he is all-powerful? I think that there is room in that for an interesting, thought-provoking story. This is not that. This Hmm. movie is a pretty thinly veiled excuse to just be a horror movie with some of the grossest kills I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, it's it's like gratuitous. They have some shots where they just hold it on people who are bleeding out in these horrible ways. And I I think that you can use violence to be effective at times, but this is just gross for the sake of being gross. And... Yeah, I really hated it, man. It's it, it's super cliche at the same time. It feels like a computer wrote this dialogue in some of the scenes, like it just in like it just input a bunch of general things that happen in horror movies. Like you it pretty much writes itself and it's bad and I didn't like it. Wow. Yeah, I guess I had not uh asked you for your opinion there. Uh didn't know it was that bad. Here's the deal, is I think I'm going to have to see this one to get to 10 on our top 10 superhero movies of 2019 list. So, I mean, you uh, can. (laughs) I really, really don't recommend it, though. Okay, you've got it lower than Dark Phoenix, so... Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty bold line, honestly. (laughs) Oof, okay. uh, Thumbs down on Brightburn from DJ... Um, okay, so some of the movies I didn't see while we're waiting to get to number one, because this is just going to be a real long podcast. Yeah. I kind of wanted to see the Tolkien movie. Um, reviews were kind of eh, and I don't think there was any, like, discussion about it anywhere that I saw, so I think it just kind of came and went. I'll probably end up going back to that one at some point. Um, Late Night is out right now. Mm Mm-hmm. It's getting pretty decent reviews. Um, I think it's also going to suffer from no one seeing it. Uh, yeah. So I I might see that too. I mean, I I think I kind of want that kind of movie to do well. I know you have the whole Amazon skepticism. Well, no, I. it's just the summer is so busy with other movies. Like if this was coming out in like February or September when there's nothing else, it's like, oh yeah, I'll jump all over that. But, like, I'm about to leave for a week, and then i got to come back and watch, like, Midsummer and Spider-Man. Like, stuff like Late Night is just going to get lost in the shuffle. Which is a yeah. shame, because I like Mindy Kaling, and I want to support 
that sort of movie. I just, <laughs> I'm part of the problem because I don't have time to, <laughs> but yeah. I've got time for Brightburn, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, yesterday is not in theaters when we recorded this. We're somewhat intrigued by that, I think. Yeah. Um, seems like an interesting premise. Uh, the other movie I wanted to note is a movie called The Souvenir, which is a very small, like, artsy kind of film. It seems like the exact kind of movie that you would hate, DJ. Um, Uh Uh-oh. And even better is that the Rotten Tomatoes for this is 90% on the critic side and 33% on the audience score. Which is exactly the kind of movie that I want to just watch and see what the heck this thing is, because it's probably real weird. What's the name of this? The Souvenir. I hadn't even heard about it. Um, yeah. I'm not going to explain it, because I really don't know what happens in this movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've I've at least seen it mentioned as like, by critics, as like, oh, this is a great film. And apparently, the people that saw it did not like it. So, hmm. Okay, and with that, I think we're ready for a little drum roll. Uh, oh, no, there's a couple movies that I wanted to see oh, that I I didn't give you on. an opportunity. I assumed that on your 15-movie binge, you had covered everything you could possibly have wanted to see. No, uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Um, so there is a limited series. Uh, I think it's like three or four parts. So I don't really know if it counts as a movie, uh, but uh, three or four part series on Netflix called When They See Us. And it's about the Central Park Five. Uh, I believe it's uh, directed by Ava DuVernay. So I was pretty interested in that. Um, I honestly think I, I feel like it's going to be pretty impactful when I finally get the chance to see it. Uh I'm going away on holiday this weekend, and part of the trip involves a 14-hour drive, so I'll probably watch this on the way. Uh, But yeah, that's one that I'm pretty sad I missed out about, because I think that can be a pretty interesting story. Um, There's a smaller movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, Okay, I've heard of that one. Yeah, Buddy Roland. He was the person who sent me the trailer on this uh, originally, and it looked really interesting, it's just currently only in 72 theaters after like three weeks. So there is no way that it was anywhere close to me, but that's kind of a bummer. I wish I would have seen that. Um, the dead don't die. Interested me. I saw the trailer like Aaron suggested I should do. I'm still just curious because of all the talent in it. Yeah. And it seems like some, some decisions were made. Yeah, I like, just like don't some know what definite, to think. like directorial type of like we're gonna make this kind of movie, and it just seems like it kind of clashes with what you would expect it to be. So yeah, that's that's one I'd be interested to see at some point. But yeah, yeah. Um, last couple, I almost went to go see Child's Play. It's the latest Chucky Which the Doll shocked reboot. Me. Honestly, shocked me, DJ. Why? Uh, for three reasons. One, you told me Brian before. Tyree Henry. You two, Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza. And three, Mark Hamill. Yep. And that is it. <laughs> um, But I hate scary movies. And uh, once again, the summer is busy, so didn't get a chance to see that. And I guess it should be noted that we haven't seen Men in Black International. I don't think that anyone cares, but 
we didn't exclude it from the list. We just didn't see it. So yeah, I guess in a, a way old, we did exclude it. <laughs> I think it's a big old shrug from me. Yeah. Um, also didn't see Secret Life of Pets 2. Oh, or as you like to call it, Slop 2. Slop 2. Did not <laughs> see that one. Okay, have we hit every single movie that came out in Q2 of 2019, DJ? Probably. <laughs> except for one. <laughs> oh yeah, except for one. Which is Avengers Endgame. What a movie. Um what a movie. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to talk about it a little bit. So if you don't care about this, I think you can skip forward. Yeah, I'll put know, it I'll put some like time codes hour. in the description <laughs> because I know some people are probably very tired about hearing about Endgame. But we had some people write in and we want to acknowledge uh some of the questions and things they had, so yeah. Yeah, and we just haven't really given our follow-up thoughts after our instant reaction about an hour after seeing the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were maybe a little, or maybe I was a little high on the movie coming right out of it, which is to be expected. Yeah, I think we all were, and I think that's fine, because we just saw it. <laughs> yes, Um and I don't really want to get into our whole mainly Marvel like list or anything of like should we have ranked this somewhere different, but we had it as the number one MCU Marvel movie, which I don't think it really is. But man, it was just such a emotional culmination of so many things that I was waiting for for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel justified in my response to it. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's not a perfect movie. No, not not at all. <laughs> um, what are some of the things that you want to address specifically? So, I mean, how do you feel about Endgame now? Because I feel like my opinion for the movie just is ever fluctuating. Because it has some of the highest highs I've ever had in a movie. Like, you flew down, we had a bunch of our friends there we got to talk about it immediately afterwards like the fact that i get to say that i in a theater got to see black panther run around with the infinity gauntlet with all the infinity gems in it like that is that's amazing (laughs) but whenever i even start to think about just any of the small things like why was captain marvel not like part of the time heist is the time machine just going to be in the MCU from now on? I, It's things like that and things thinking about like, I can't imagine what a world would be like if five years, if, if, people, if half of humanity disappeared and then five years later, everybody's back. I don't know if the movie can give us a satisfying answer for what life is going to be like after that, because that is such a long time. And I think we needed it for the stakes, but... It, there's this movie is just so so much <laughs> um, it is a whole lot um yeah and i think maybe the reason that we were high on it right after is because just as a movie and self-contained like you can kind of get your head around some of the problems but now we're less than a week away from the next movie in the series already and you kind of have to think about what all the consequences of everything they did in that movie are for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm still kind of okay with it, because in my mind, Endga- Infinity War and Endgame 
are kind of the the period on what was like the first portion of Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I can kind of look at that as one picture. And whatever happens after this, I might like or might not like. But that's kind of its own thing. And it can be separate from this first chunk. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think everyone can like separate it out like that. Uh, and yeah, I think it's going to cause some problems down the line. Just like thinking through all these time travel implications and yeah, all sorts of different things. But really, I I feel like any of the individual arguments, I either don't care about or I have like an argument in my mind against it. Okay. Um, not defending it as like the best movie ever, but just that like that's not what this movie was trying to accomplish. And how do you propose that they do it better? I don't think that that's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's their job to do great. I don't think that we should be post-revisionists and think of better ways to do things. Now, I I'm not saying that I'm here like complaining about every single like logistical endpoint for Endgame, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, like we we talked about, like I wasn't a huge fan of Fat Thor just being around the whole movie. I still and don't like Fat Thor, especially now that we've found out that Fat Thor was supposed to lose the weight, and Chris Hemsworth just wanted to keep being Fat Thor, so I guess he got to be Fat Thor the whole movie. <sighs> Which is a little crazy to me that that decision. Get I don't know if it was that simple of a decision, but framed like that it's like really because <laughs> that's like actually yeah. one of the things that bothered me in the movie was just that yeah the, yeah he was just fat the whole time yeah i don't know what uh what what are some of the specific things we should we should uh try to refute uh we had uh someone write in and ask us about time travel and kind of how it works in the movie and honestly i just I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, don't see. This know. is one of those things where I actually enjoy these discussions. I enjoy like talking about like, oh, could the time travel mechanic work like this? And oh, here's like something that might cause problems with it. All the while being like, I, I don't know. I thought they put decent boundaries on it in the movie, and like watching the movie, I was like, that's enough of an explanation for me. I'm ready to move forward with it. And right. I don't know, it didn't detract from my actual viewing of the movie. Now, I haven't, neither of us have gone back and watched it a second time. I don't know if it would be better the second time, kind of understanding what they're doing, or if it would be really frustrating knowing what the, the bounds are and kind of seeing all these plot holes where it's like, oh, well, if this works like that, then he could do that. And what the heck happened to Loki here? Um... Yeah, but I feel like that's something where, like, Reddit can just go crazy with it, and I don't really care about it. Okay. Yeah. I think, don't get me wrong, I still love Endgame, and I still had a great time. I think I would be able to just relax and have a better time if I had, like, a full year after Endgame, because... It is the end of an era in some ways. It's the end of this first like 21 movie arc and it's great and I think it's a really satisfying ending. I just don't feel after because like we said Endgame is just so much 
and I don't know if I feel equipped to do more Marvel right now. I feel kind of burnt out, honestly. Okay, well, our next episode will be about Spider-Man Far From Home. So we will see just how burnt out we are burnt out we are after that movie, I think. Yeah. Um do you think so I didn't want to get into our rankings, but we kind of set up the tier system at the end of our ranking. Do you think Endgame should be in the top tier still? You know what you said about Infinity War? Mm-hmm. You said this is not a movie. And I think that equally applies to Endgame. I don't know how to look at this movie in a standard framing, even as far as our Marvelists go. And I just, it feels different. It's the culmination of everything, and I think it's super satisfying in a ton of ways. So I'm happy with it still being number one. I don't think that means we need to say it was like perfect or anything like that. And I really didn't have a ton of hangups. I I don't know. I I still feel confident putting it up that high because it's end game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? I think for sure, like the Infinity War end game, like saga, just those two movies together mm-hmm. is the best thing that the MCU has produced. Yeah, um, absolutely. I tend to think that infinity war the first part was better and more exciting and the cliffhanger was one of the craziest things that's ever happened in the movie that's true and i get that but i think that infinity war has it easier in some ways because it doesn't have to resolve anything it can leave us on that cliffhanger and that's fine but the fact that it doesn't have to get as jumbled as endgame means that the job is easier and that's why i kind of just have to view both of these as like a one story it's it's yeah. harder for me yeah. to separate and put which one i like better and i feel like I, i've heard the sentiment pretty often that infinity war is better and i get that and it's more streamlined and it's just less muddled but it leaves that baggage for endgame so uh, yeah i don't know yeah well i i could keep talking about this for another 30 minutes i don't think anyone <laughs> wants to hear us talk about it for another 30 minutes especially when i know that some of these exact things are going to be brought up again uh, on our next episode talking about Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about like Marvel fatigue and with the consequences of Endgame and whatever the heck they're doing with the multiverse. I I can't, Aaron. I, I, oh, man. Oh, yep, man. yep, I know, yep. <sighs> we'll get there. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it cracks me up how much differently we talk about superhero movies than any other movie. Yeah. I like but. it, though. <laughs> <laughs> same. Same. I'm not tired of it yet. Uh, okay. Well, the episode isn't over, folks. <laughs> We've got no, some more. not yet. Yeah. And I'm just really excited to announce that we have returning guests. What are we calling them now? Uh, they are the hosts for the Mainly Movies segment. Uh, movies we've watched so Aaron and DJ don't have to. Man, and I just did not get enough of them the first time. Real glad they're back. Talking about the Jonas Brothers, which I'm really excited about. Um, can you detect the sarcasm in my voice, DJ? I, I didn't at first, and I was pretty excited. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we've won them over. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah, so here's that, I guess. 
Welcome back to another segment of Movies We Watched So Aaron and DJ Didn't Have To. I'm your host, Catherine. Oh, <laughs> uh, technically I'm your host, Lily, but are we really hosts of this? I guess we're hosts of the segment, right? Yeah, we're segment hosts. What would be another word other than host that we would use? Um, we're your people that we're Aaron- your guides. <laughs> we're, the- <laughs> we're your guides. That Aaron doesn't want on his podcast, but we're here anyways. No, you know no, what? no, 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 no. We got an invi- we got an official invitation. We got an official invitation. So I just want to say, for all the Baylor girls out there listening, keep shining, keep working towards your dreams, <laughs> keep inviting boys to ba- crush events. One day, it's just gonna happen for you. Baylor lights shine bright, you know. <laughs> well, gang, this week you're talking about chasing happiness. The new um. Amazon Prime documentary on the Jonas Brothers. So we're pretty stoked to talk about this. Lillian, what is your history with the Jonas Brothers? Um, man, well, we're trying to keep this segment brief, so I'm not going to go like too specific. Let me just uh-huh. say I have been like every tour they went on. I was at the concert <laughs> like I've been to every single one. I was convinced that I was going to marry one of the Jonas Brothers. One in particular, but we'll get into that later. Uh-huh. And, like, they were... I mean, let's just say I, like, felt very emotional when I found out they were getting back together, so... Yeah. I personally didn't miss them when they were gone. Like... Yeah, you know what? I've it lived was my time. life. <laughs> I've moved on. Um, But really, this documentary... And I don't even remember why I first watched it. But, like, in the first minute when Kevin is just being so self-aware and so honest, I was like, I'm in. Hook, line, and sinker. Here we go. <laughs> Jonas Brothers, we are back in business. Yeah. But um, we, like, want to open up our little segment by talking about how this is an objectively good documentary. It is. And just because we're millennial girls doesn't mean that we're just, like, drinking the Jonas Brothers Kool-Aid. Yeah. It's. I don't know what it is about this because I've watched it twice now. It's just like I really appreciate that they – I feel like it is honest and emotional and raw without being like – I don't know. I don't feel like those like things – I feel like those things are real and not like – they're not like pandering to fans. Yeah. Well, I mean I've watched my fair share of interviews with them um, – recently and they talk about how with the documentary they're like okay we can tell the fluff story or we can tell like what actually happened and Mm -hmm. aka like we're not under any disney contract so like we can actually talk about and say whatever we want Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just good it's really good i just think it's like actually good And, and i was surprised by that yeah no it's good so like yeah, I think that this is a documentary that Aaron and DJ should yeah. watch. They won't. They won't, but I mean, actually, maybe DJ will, because you know what? DJ is on our team, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we are going to break down, the movie really just covers, like, the start of the Jonas Brothers, how they're just some homeschool kids from New Jersey, and then they make it big and it's like pandemonium and then Nick kind of splits off and then they try to make it work and then they break up and then they get back together after some tequila shots. 
And um, we just decided we'd talk about, like, brother by brother, kind of their rise and fall in this movie, and then also what we appreciated learning about them. But, Lily, who is your who is your favorite Jonas brother, like, growing up, and then in April of 2018, and then now here in June of 2019? I guess, yeah, April of 2019. Okay, so... So my favorite growing up and the one that I thought I was going to marry was mm-hmm. definitely Nick. A hundred percent. You know, do you know about how but, Olivia always thought that she should marry Nick Jonas because he was a diabetic and she just thought that she could take really good care of him? Yes, she did tell me that. Um, so yeah, team mm-hmm. Nick. Um, but after watching the documentary, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, the combination of him marrying Priyanka Ch- mm-hmm. Priyanka Chopra and the fact that, like, honestly, he was, like, the worst brother mm-hmm. in this movie. Easily. Um, but he slid down to, like, one... I still love him, like, as a 12 or 13-year-old mm-hmm. me. Like, I love that, like, him... I don't know. It's just like weird, but if I'm if I have to pick like who's the best brother, it's Kevin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wholeheartedly, and really like I think before this movie, all of the memes about Kevin just being like the dud brother are totally fair because like Kevin and especially I mean and they talk about this in the movie a lot. Like it's just like Nick is like the really talented one. Like. Joe is, like, the sexy, cool, bad boy. And then Kevin is just tender Kevin with the bad sideburns. And I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, but he was so, I don't know. He was so mature and so honest. And I just feel like he really demonstrated that he can forgive and also that, but he wants to be great. And I just am, I'm, like, all on board for Kevin now. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about which brother do we want to talk about first? Well, we're on Kevin, so. Yeah. Yeah, so Kevin, growing up, was, like, derpy. I don't know. He was was weird. He was bullied. Uh Uh-huh. He talks about that. Yeah. Um, Also, too, I didn't realize he's five years older than Nick. And so, like, he was, like, 18, 19, 20, 21, whenever like they were rising and then like 22 23 24 like when they were huge yeah yeah and um the honestly like the best scene in this movie is when he is talking to his girlfriend danielle (laughs) and future wife on the phone and his brothers are like making fun of him and he's just like being so tender it's the most relatable content of 2019 honestly so sweet he's like yeah so um yeah like like we'd love, like I, I like would love to like hang out with you like after the show, like if you're like available, and it, it's just so. He kept using the term, yeah, like it'll be rocking, <laughs> and I was just like, uh, what? And then like Joe and Joe and Nick are in the background, like being like, tell her, tell her you're excited to see her, and he's like, yeah, I'm excited for you to see it, you. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like. This is so real, and I love it. And yeah. now they're married, and they have two children, so. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like the other, like, really poignant part of this movie was whenever they... There, so there's this scene where, like, they're all drinking tequila, and they're, like, having to... It's like they're all drunk, and they're having to, like, answer questions honestly, and it's pretty <laughs> funny. But 
one of the questions that Kevin asked is like, why did y'all do a show without me? Because after the band had broken up, Kevin and Joe did, or not Kevin and Joe, Nick and Joe did a show where they played Jonas Brothers songs, but they did it without Kevin. And they just have to be like, hey man, like you kind of were like not the most talented and like not the most driven. And he like takes it like a man. Like he just is like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Like that's how it was. And I'm sorry. And like, blah, 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 blah. And I just also feel like too, I don't know. Just Kevin. Kevin's the best. Kevin is the best. Kevin is the best. He's the weird kid that you went to like middle school and high school with and then he shows up to your high school reunion and he's now smoking hot and he has a smoking hot wife and it's just like mm-hmm. good for you. Like you peaked. You peaked. Yeah. 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 But like you were he just is on like a positive trajectory. I really feel like Kevin's yeah. the best. Kevin's the bomb. Yep. yep. Um Joe. Joe's eyebrows will not quit. Like the those eyebrows just need like they're the like well they already they have a fourth brother but the eyebrows are like another band member. Honestly. Frankly, if Aaron and DJ want to give us another segment called Joe Jonas's eyebrows, like we'll take it. <laughs> we'll just pop in every week or so and just like talk about his brows because they're incredible. Yeah, even but from so, like when he was like fourteen, yeah. they were good. Yeah. So they talk about how Joe growing up was like the silly one. And he was, like, the goober. Which, like, I think any of us who ever watched those, like, 15-second videos that they did on YouTube knows that. Like, Joe is, like, the funny one. He kind of had, like, a bad boy streak, I feel like. Yeah. He definitely was, like, the one who I, like, he's who I, like, loved in high school, middle school. I don't remember when they were big. I don't remember how old I was. Middle school. Was it middle school? I feel like it was high school. Um, probably the beginning of high school. Yeah. I don't know. I wanted to like Joe, but I felt like everyone liked Joe. And so then I didn't want to, like, jump on board with Joe. I don't know. Oh, you know what? It was after my freshman year of high school because I remember I was at a choir camp listening to their CD. (laughs) Yeah. He, um... He's also, like, the most angsty one, Mm -hmm. but also very sentimental. Very sentimental. And he probably cries the most. Yes. Honestly, he's my second favorite brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When he's crying about how Nick broke the band up, and he's like, and it just hurt because he's my best friend. It was like, uh, I feel that, like, in my chest, Joe. Yeah. That was so good. Like, the betrayal... Yeah, yeah. And my other favorite part is whenever he is drunk and he's talking about how he would do anything to see Sophie. He's like, yeah. I'll do anything to see Sophie. <laughs> yeah, he, um, also I'm surprised they didn't mention this in the documentary, mm-hmm. but he wrote an article, like, uh, I want to say in like 2012, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. He wrote an article, like, exposing like, the crap that they went through. Like, not this exactly, but how he was, like, wearing a purity ring, but, like, hooking up with fans with Demi Lovato movie theaters. With Demi Lovato. He's the one who started well, Demi Lovato's drug problem, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but, like, but like fans. Like, he hooked up with fans. Yeah, yeah. And all this crazy stuff. So, like, he's like, yeah, the bad boy. But he's also so tender. He's so, so. tender. And when he talks about how his, like, R&B album failed... I remember yeah. that. It was bad. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. But then he did DNCE and he dyed his hair pink and he's on the up and up. Good for he him. He married Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about the one who's now involved in a scam marriage. <laughs> Catherine is convinced that Nick's marriage is not real. Here's the thing. It's, it's real. Scam. It's like legally real, but I just think it was a publicity stunt. And I think that maybe he and Priyanka like, like each other. I don't think that they hate each other, but I don't think that they were going to get married in this, in a two part extravagant wedding if the Jonas brothers wouldn't be getting back together. I think that this is, mm. this is a part of a, years-long plan and I think it started when Nick and Demi who are best friends and should be together because they're each other's true love went on the Honda Civic tour which I saw in Hershey Pennsylvania and really it was like not sold out it was not a great tour it was supposed to be like an arena tour and it just wasn't his career just was going nowhere Priyanka's career was going nowhere Scooter Braun manages them and Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande who all got engaged last summer and it just would make sense for them to, like, have this whirlwind romance. And then, ooh, la, la, now the brothers are back together. <laughs> this is Catherine Corliss's TED Talk on Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra. So. Also, she's, like, 11 years older than him. And I'm not saying that, like, can't happen. But I just am saying, like... It is a lot. He's supposed to be with Demi Lovato, and we all know it. But Demi Lovato's drug problem started with Joe Jonas, so things are going to be complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Nick is the one who, like, from the jump, he's, like, the most talented one. They have this very scenty scene about him, them, like, finding out that he has diabetes. Um, he's kind of the leader of the band. He's the leader of the band. Which, whenever they're talking about how, like, from the beginning, Nick was, like, the leader, I was like, he's 13. Why is he the one who's, like, bossing all these adults around? Because he was the most talented. Yeah. yeah. Um, he breaks off. He does Nick Jonas in the administration. TBT. He's on Broadway. Whenever they're trying to get the band back together, he's the one who's like, hey, this isn't working. We gotta break up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that like makes the decision. But honestly, it's like, it makes sense. And, like, he, he was too, ta- like, he is more talented than Kevin. Yeah. He, like, he was more driven than Kevin and maybe Joe. Yeah. I don't know. I think that he's so like it makes sense. more talented, but he's more uptight too. Like he. Yeah. Well, the very first scene in this documentary, Kevin is like trying to awkwardly confront like, hey, maybe you don't write the set list every time. And he's like, what? You don't want me to write the set list? Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. Which is, like, that was such a tender moment because it's, like, clearly Kevin has been, like, at home talking to Danielle being, like, okay, so this is what I'm going to say. And, like, I'm just going to say, like, maybe you don't write stuff every time because, like, what I really want, you know, like, you know that he's, like, been practicing and then, like, Nick just, like, has no respect for it. Oh, it's yeah. tough. It's tough to watch. And, like, Nick is, again, five years younger than him. Yeah. I'm, like, dang. Nick is just a butthead. He is. Him and his three front to or his front teeth he has three front teeth what he has three front teeth like you know how everybody we have the two uh-huh. he has three look it up okay he also has weird fingers weird fingers yes. julia pointed this out last night and i was like i don't know about that and then when i was just watching it again right now i was like oh my gosh yeah he is they're just like they don't seem like they're his fingers <laughs> okay um if y'all right. are listening to this and you want to know another celebrity with weird fingers vince vaughn um 
just look, Google it. Nick is supposed to be with Demi Lovato. All right. Well, you hear. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, I think that like, I mean, really the thing that I appreciated about this movie is that they like talk about how like it, they were like white hot, but in that, like they were also mm-hmm. corny and like they came from like a Christian background and they were, had a Disney channel show. And, Cause that's the record label that they were on after Columbia dropped them. And they talk about like what that was like for them to be like young men and trying to write music, but then also having this, like, really hokey television show and being made fun mm-hmm. of as, like, the squeaky clean. I don't know. And I and I just really appreciated the way that they talked about that in a way that's like, hey, like, we were having fun, but, yeah, there were parts of it that were just really yeah. cringy. And I think I really appreciate that self-awareness. And it didn't feel like – I mean, obviously this movie coincides with them releasing an album – And, like, we already know Nick Jonas can do a publicity stunt. (laughs) But I think that it's, like, um, I don't know. I just appreciated the, like, honesty. Yeah, yeah. But then it also wasn't this, like, sort of, like, let's dig, like, let's rip open every single And as a long, really long-time Jonas Brothers fan, I appreciate, like, I feel like, um, I, I appreciated the videos of them like showing up to Times Square and like all these people are there and like you can just tell like they're still kids so they're like genuinely mm-hmm. so excited that all these people showed up for their album release and just stuff like that yeah. where like I think we often see these and they talk about this in the documentary we see these boy bands and like we think like oh this is like a group that was manufactured out of disney and whatever and like that really wasn't the case Mm -hmm. for them um like they like had no money um even though they were like yeah what the number one music video on trl on trl yeah Yeah. and just for mandy yeah i don't remember that song at all oh classic it's a classic but it is okay um I don't know. I just, yeah, it was really interesting. I'd be like, oh, like, even though I was a fan, I think I also probably thought that they were just manufactured out out of Disney and, like, kind of had it, everything handed to them for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just assumed that they showed up to, like, one of those auditions at the mall. Uh Uh-huh. And Disney was like, bada-bing, bada-boom, brothers, like, put it together, you know? Yeah. And I think that, I don't know. It was cool. And I'm, I'm, like, grateful that they're back together. I really liked Nick Jonas's solo album, Bacon is a great song, and Chainsaw is poignant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I get sometimes annoyed with, like, nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. And, like, I mean, we've talked about going on a Backstreet Boys cruise, so I don't know. <laughs> but I think, I don't know. I thought it was just good. It was good. Um, one of the last things I do want to talk about is mm-hmm. poor Frankie Jonas. Oh, poor Frankie Jonas. Is Frankie Jonas, though, actually doing it right? That's the real question. Mm. He did mm. not have to show up for this documentary at all, except for the one scene at the very last, at the credits. Yeah. But they didn't even talk about this kid. Like, this is their other brother, and they just, like, don't even talk about him at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, I mean, they, they're like, yeah, Frankie was a baby. And then it's like, like, where's Frankie? What is Frankie doing? But I also feel like I wonder, I mean, I just, I would love to sit down and talk with Frankie and just be like, what is it like for you to be like this entity 
I don't know. Well, like, everybody know. called him the bonus Jonas. I recall. Which yeah. is so horrible. <laughs> yeah. Poor kid. But apparently he's now, like, in school. Like, he's, I think, in college. He's, like, in, like, engineering school or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I think he's doing well. He had a very curated Instagram the last time I checked, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote down Nick Jonas's diabetes commercial only because I think that's just further proof that his career wasn't doing well and that he needed to marry a celebrity who was at <laughs> Meghan Markle's wedding. Oh my gosh. Something to think about. Um, yeah, well, before we throw things back to our dear friends Aaron and DJ, who very graciously let us record this again and may or may not put it in the podcast, um, <laughs> I did just want to say that the Jonas Brothers are a key part of mine and Lily's friendship because I have this very distinct memory of being at either BJ's Brewhouse or Chewy's in Waco and Lily demonstrating her really, really good ability to sing Red Dress from Burn It Up. So, Lily, why don't you just send us home? Well, I am going to put a little caveat here. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to go back and you need to go listen to the song uh, Burning Up. Mm-hmm. There's a part where um, Joe is singing, and he, he's and it's, it's Joe and Nick, but it's like, High heels. High heels red dress and then nick enters into a so wait you you do okay, yeah i'll do joe. high heels i'll set you up i'll set you okay, up so you can okay. spike it okay high heels high heels red dress red dress <laughs> and there you have it there you have it well guys we'll be back again um probably whenever little women comes out <gasps> oh my gosh aaron and dj can we please <laughs> All right. Smell you later. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Uh, Yeah. So what did you think of that riveting take on the Jonas Brothers documentary, DJ? Well, I found it very interesting because... Of course you did. Well... (laughs) (laughs) I guess... Go ahead. Go ahead. In my head canon, I thought the hierarchy for the Joe Bros was Joe, Nick, and then Kevin. But I've I feel like I've been enlightened that apparently Nick is like the worst. And I just had no idea. I've got Man. nothing, DJ. Okay, I was <laughs> I was gonna ask if you had I've got anything. nothing. I I know of Nick and Joe. I could not have named the third Jonas brother if my life depended on it. No love for Kevin. Um, I just didn't know his name. Uh, yeah. I don't think I... Okay, this is probably an exaggeration. Maybe I do without knowing it. But I don't think I know a single Jonas Brothers song. Uh, I know they've you got know like... Burning their... Up? You don't know Levels by Nick Jonas? DJ, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I can't. This was just not a part of my life at all. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, if it was, I'm sure, I'm sure it's an interesting watch. I just, I really don't have anything and I'm not trying to be mean. I just like, I don't, I don't know what to talk about with the Jonas Brothers because they have no effect on my life. Well, we can do a follow up because I'll probably end up watching this uh, and I I can give you some, some further thoughts on what, what's the name of this chasing dreams or something? I don't. Yeah, sure. 
we're fairly uninformed. But still, we'd like to thank our guest host uh, for coming back and reviewing that. Because that means Aaron and I did not have to. Even though I might end up seeing it anyways. Who knows? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. And so they, they offered to come on for Little Women, which doesn't come out until Christmas. Also, so, so this is... I had to look this up because I could have sworn that there was a Little Women that came out last year. And there was. What? This The Little Women that is coming out at the end of 2019 is going to be the eighth iteration of this in film. But this one has like big name actresses in it, right? Uh, this is I like hope a, so. This is like a squad. I forget okay. who's in it. Oh, um, it says Greta Gerwig is... Uh, directing so yeah that'll probably be pretty big yeah i'm just surprised their ask wasn't higher that they're willingly taking a six-month break i mean surely there's going to be something we don't want to watch in the next six months well i mean i'm sure if they find anything between then they could reach out and we'd be happy to have y'all back yeah and they've done a great job at finding content that i have nothing to say about Yeah, you really weren't able to riff about the Joe Bros at all, man. I don't have anything. I mean, they were in that Camp Rock movie the one time. Oh, no, it was twice. There was the first Camp Rock and then Camp Rock DJ. 2, the final jam. TJ, why? I didn't really follow the Joe Bros, honestly. I was mainly just crushing on Demi Lovato, but the Joe Bros were there. Okay, I feel like we're just steps away from you joining this thing, and it's just like a spin-off podcast of you three minus me, where you talk about, like, teenage girl things. Oh, man. Wait until Disney Plus comes out. Then all oh. that content will be easily accessible. Oh. Okay. Well, that was enjoyable. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so should we talk about what we're watching next? Yeah, because I feel like if we don't move off of this, I will slowly lose you. <laughs> I think I'm already gone. Okay, um, well. Yeah, we're doing Spider-Man. I think we've said that. That'll be our next episode. That but episode we... will be late going up, by the way. I will be getting in town, uh, I think, like the Sunday after. Uh, yeah, so look for out. it early the week after 4th of July when Spider-Man comes out. Um we're going to see if we can throw another movie in there, maybe Midsummer. Um, there's enough buzz around that that I think it might be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if not, maybe we'll have that in another episode. Maybe we'll see Yesterday at some point. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then we've got kind of a down week with Stuber and Crawl. I don't want to see anything coming out that week. Well, no, The Art of Self-Defense is coming out. And Which yeah, I want. I want at least have a little discussion on that. I I want to see if I can find it in the theater though. Yeah, that's going to be the um, only issue. It's a limited release, but we'll try and get to it, guys. Yeah, and then Lion King comes out the nineteenth. And are you going to see the Lion King DJ? Hmm. <laughs> I've been debating. I I've started a draft of a whole preamble I have about the Lion King to kind of set the stage. <laughs> yes, I will be seeing the Lion King. Okay. I may or may not already have tickets. Nice. Honestly, good good for you though because I think that movie is going to be bonkers sold out. Yeah, I 
I guess it speaks to where I am in my life, but I literally got four emails yesterday being like, have you bought your Lion King tickets? They're on sale now. And I was like, the silly automatic emails. I bought them as soon as I woke up. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, well, we haven't had an episode this long in a while. Um, so, if you appreciated the length of this episode, you can email us at mainlymoviespod at gmail.com. Uh, you can give us five stars, the best number of stars on iTunes. Uh, you got anything else, DJ? Um, maybe next quarter will be better. <laughs> maybe, or maybe we'll be calling on Catherine and Lily a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> Very possible. Thanks again to those guys. Yeah, I guess hopefully this holds us over until Spider-Man. Yeah.